Welcome to episode six of Early Stoppage. I'm your host, Derek Moody, and on today's episode, I got to speak to the number 10 UFC bantamweight, Cody the Spartan Stamen. And we had a great chat talking about what it took for him to get to the UFC, being on the right side and the wrong side of a split decision, and how he intends on getting a title shot by 2019. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Joining me today is the number 11 UFC bantamweight, Cody Spartan Stamen. Welcome to Early Stoppage. Hey, man. How are you? Doing good. How have you been? Uh, I can't complain, man. Life's been, uh, life's been really good. All right. Now, I like to start the show off by getting to know the, the person behind the fighter. So I like to ask a bunch of random questions and then work our way back to MMA. Okay? Now, what's your, what's your favorite sport aside from mixed martial arts? Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> uh, I guess, I, I, honestly, I would probably say, say boxing, as silly as that sounds. Uh, you know, when I was young, growing up, I, you know, I, uh, I played a million different sports, baseball, football, all the generic sports that kids play. Uh, but, man, when I started fighting, like, that's really the only thing I cared about. You know, I, I, I don't care about the, the NFL and, uh, you know, which NBA team's doing good. Like, I don't even watch any of that stuff anymore. Now, I mean, I pretty much only watch combat sports. I watch MMA, I watch wrestling, and I watch boxing, and that's it. Okay. What's your current obsession at the moment? Ooh. Um, current obsession. Uh, probably, probably going fishing. Like, I'm obsessed with fishing. Every, every chance I get, every time I get a little bit of free time, uh, I, I find, a, find a way to, to make it to some water and uh, go fishing. What's the last movie you watched? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> the, the last thing I watched was actually uh, The freaking Bachelor. <laughs> My girlfriend had it on last night. I was watching it, man. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Um, I damn, I can't think of I think I watched the, uh, the uh, Avengers Infinity movie uh, in theaters. It's a pretty good movie. Everyone dies. <laughs> All right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> What's the last song that you listened to? Probably something on uh, my uh, Pandora, Pandora radio, uh, Kanye West station. That's my workout station. Okay, Kanye West station. All right. Uh, what's your favorite city? Favorite city? Well, I'm at say Detroit because uh, I live in Detroit, and uh, it's a pretty cool place. And everybody thinks that it's like the biggest shithole in America, but it's actually uh, it's actually pretty cool. All right. What's your least favorite city? Ooh, probably New York, just because of the traffic and, uh, you know, how long it takes to get from point A to point B. I wasn't a fan. What's worse, the wrestling weight cut or the MMA weight cut? Ooh, MMA weight cut for sure. Um, just because we've got a lot more weight. But, you know, I think if you do it right, you know, it can be a lot easier. The thing about the wrestling weight cut is that, you know, when you wrestled, you had to weigh in, like, 30 times, 40 times, 50 times a season. So in MMA, you just got to weigh in a few times a year. So um, it just, you just cut a lot more. Uh, do you have a favorite training partner? Darren Crookshank. Uh, who's your idol? Um, dang, I've never been asked that. Uh, Told you it was random. 
Oh. Now, I'm a big fan of uh, of uh, history, and I really, really like uh, uh, Abe Lincoln and his story about how he was just a normal dude who kind of, you know, became a politician. He was a farmer, basically. He was just a, like a tough, a tough, tough, tough dude, even for those times. And, uh, you know, he failed a million times, but eventually, you know, he made it happen. All right. And if you weren't a mixed martial artist, what would you be? Shoot, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, I, honestly, I'd probably be uh, running my parents' uh, restoration business. Okay. Did you work for the family business before? Yep. Yep. I mean, I, uh, I worked with my, for my family business until I got in the USC and then I quit and put every following with time into uh, MMA. Now, what was the first martial art discipline you studied? Uh, when I was a kid, I did karate. Um, and then when I was probably 14, I, I started wrestling. And uh, when I was 16, I started boxing. Okay, so you did a little bit of everything. What was yeah. the first MMA event you ever saw? Oh, you know, I think it was uh, I think it was Uriah Faber against uh, Jens Pulver. And uh, I was hooked, man. I watched it and I was like, this, this, this stuff's crazy. This is awesome. Um, that, I, even, but at that point, you know, I still had no idea that I was ever going to like fight or even fight competitively. I just thought it was a cool sport. Okay. Now, how'd you get into MMA? Um, you know, honestly, it was more like a bucket list thing. It wasn't, I never intended on like doing it, uh, professionally or even competitively i uh there was just a there was a fight in the town i grew up in uh in sparta and um as soon as as soon as i i went and watched it i saw that the the talent level was really low and having a a background in, in wrestling and boxing i was like yeah i know for a fact i could you know beat the crap out of the guys that are that are competing in this sport right now and you know i basically uh, trained myself for, you know, a couple weeks. And I went to a gym for a couple, an MMA gym for a couple weeks. And I had my first fight and got, I was hooked. I was like a, I was like a drug addict after that, man. I just loved it. Um, and you know, I had 20 amateur fights in two years and then I went pro. Do you think your background in boxing and wrestling really helped you transition to MMA and ultimately succeed in MMA? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what I would, I would tell anybody, you know, that was starting sport MMA. I, mean, I say you'd have to wrestle, you have to box. You know, I think that was kind of like the foundation. That's like the foundation of, uh, of the sport, honestly. I mean, uh, if you can defend a takedown and take guys down and you've got hands, you're a pretty hard guy to beat in an in a MMA fight. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that's kind of the perfect formula. Cause there are some guys who have hands and they have no ground game. And they usually, you know, doesn't end up well for them. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, all these things, they tie in, but, you know, having, like, being able to throw punches, I think, you know, punches are the most efficient way to, you know, hurt guys on your feet. Uh, you know, you see more guys get knocked out with, with hands than anything else, and you see more guys lose to wrestling than anything else. Now, now you've split your career fighting between bantamweight and featherweight. Do you feel a difference in your speed, cardio, and power between the two divisions? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, bantamweight is definitely the, the, the weight that I have to fight at. You know, if I want to compete at a high level, 
just because I don't have a huge frame like a lot of these guys. You know, if I was like five eleven and a little bit, a little bit more lengthy, I, you know, I would consider fighting at, at featherweight. But uh, you know, I, I I just don't have the I don't have a big enough frame to compete at that weight class. However, you know, coming up uh, in the local scene, I would fight at either weight class because I fought wherever the opportunity was. Basically, if there was a if there was a good guy, you know. In the you know in the Midwest region at 145 pounds, I would fight him. If there's a good guy at 135, I would fight him. Um, just depending on where the opportunity was. Um, plus, you know, cutting weight sucks. So every opportunity I got to fight at 145, I jumped on it. Okay. Now you're three and zero within the UFC with one win at featherweight, two wins at bantamweight. Now, aside from um, your frame, do you think that bantamweight would be the quickest path for you getting to to a title fight? I mean that. that that's, that's tough to say uh, because, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of dudes right now at Bantamweight. I mean, I literally think, you know, there's, you know, after Cody and TJ fight, there are, uh, there's Marias, there's Cruz, there's Asuncao. There's a lot of guys that literally, if they, you put them in for a title fight, you would be like, yeah, well, he probably deserves it. Um, you know, so for, for me to get the title, you know, these guys are going to have to figure that shit out. Uh, which means they're going to have to fight and they're going to have to sit on their ass and like talk about fighting. I mean, like there's going to have to be a couple more Bantamweight title fights in this year, you know? So as far as the title fight goes, you know, I think that's probably still at least, at least a year away. Um, you know, if everything goes exactly the way I want it to, uh, but you know, to be, to be a top rank contender, um, you know, I think that that happens this year. You know, I think I'm one fight, two fights. You know, I'd like to fight two more times this year. Uh, you know, we'll see if you can make it happen. But, uh, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm without a, without a doubt, you know, I think I should already be in the top 10. I think I'm going to be a top contender this year. You know, I, I asked the UFC for another top 10 guy. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Have there been any talks about your next opponent or you just reached out to them and they kind of haven't came to the table with any fighters yet? Yeah, so, I mean, I asked for uh, – you know, I asked for Aljamain Sterling, uh, John Dodson, or John Lineker, just because those were three guys that are currently currently in the top ten that, uh, you know, I think are, you know, if that fight popped up, it would make sense just because ranking-wise, uh, you know, we're pretty close in, in ranking. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I, I have no idea who I'm going to get, but those were the guys that I literally told my manager, you know, these are the guys that, that I want to fight. You know, I, I don't want to fight uh, – you know, I think a lot of guys kind of kind of take two steps forward, one step back. They they go fight a couple tough guys, and they you know fight a guy that no one's ever heard of. That's you know maybe just making his debut or something. Like I don't want to be that guy. You know, I want to keep moving forward um, because I know that I can compete with compete with the best guys in the world. So you know that's what I want in front of me. That actually kind of brings me to um, Rafael Asuncio. Now he's facing the number the number twelve uh, guy in the division, Rob Font. He previously fought at the time the number thirteen guy, Matthew Lopez. Were you offered the Asuncion fight? I don't understand how guys below you are getting someone ranked within the top five. Yeah, I think you know Font's got a lot of a lot more fights in UFC. He's got like seven seven uh, UFC fights or six UFC fights. So I could see how he got Asuncion. Maybe it's, maybe it's more of a timing thing. Like they booked that. They booked that fight um, while I was uh, – um, actually, I think – I'm not sure if they booked it, like, a week later or 
like right after I fought uh, Brian Caraway. So maybe it was a timing thing. You know, I, I never got offered that fight, but if I did, I would definitely would have said yes. Uh, just because, dude, that's a huge fight. What do I have to lose in that fight? That would move me up so fast. Um, and same thing with, uh, you know, with Aljamain Sterling fighting, uh, you know, an unranked guy in, uh, what the hell is that kid's name from, uh, from Wales? Johns, right? Brett Johns? Yeah, Brett Johns, you know, him. And, uh, you know, Aljamain Sterling got online and said that, uh, I, he was offered my name. I was like, well, I, I was never offered your name because we'd have been fighting. Um, you know, any of these guys, you know, any of these guys, uh, if, if their name, if their name comes up, you know, this, I'm, I'm not even going to hesitate. I'm just going to be like, where do I sign? You know what I mean? Send me the contract, sign it and send it back. We should be, we should be good to go. You fought on the same card as, uh, John Dodson and Pedro Munoz. Um, so I'm surprised that they're not offering maybe one of those two guys seeing as, uh, one is ranked just one spot above you and then Dodson, I believe, seven. Um, that, that would also be a good one to, you know, get you into the top 10 if you don't get a top fiver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either one of those guys too. Um, you know, Pedro Munoz, a tough dude. Uh, John Dawson, obviously a tough dude. Been around for a long time. People know these guys. You know, those kind of guys I want to fight. I want to fight guys that people know. So that way, you know, when I beat him, I think it, it puts more fans' eyes on me. Yeah, exactly. Now, when you beat Brian Caraway. He was ranked number seven. Did you think you would immediately be within the top ten? Yeah, absolutely. I thought I, I thought I would at least be ten. Um, you know, I thought that he would be booted out of the top ten, and I was hoping that it was they were just gonna like give me a spot. You know what I mean? They're just gonna rank me seven, and then you know he was gonna I don't know drop for like fifteen or something. Um, but <laughs> you know that didn't happen. It is annoying. You know, and a lot of people ask me that, like, you know, why is Brian Caraway ranked above you still? And the answer is, I have no fucking idea. Um, but it doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? You beat a guy, you think, you know, you should be ranked above him. Uh, so I don't really, I don't really know. Uh, I don't really know. Like I said, I still, I only have three UFC fights. You know, most guys, most guys in my position, you know, that, that start asking for, for big fights and against ranked guys, uh, you know, they usually lose. I mean, like look what Brad Johns did. You know, he was like, I want a top 10 guy, and he lost. And that happened so much. You know what I mean? All these guys, like, they asked for those fights. You know, I just happened uh, to, to win mine, you know. So, um, I've seen it happen before. I mean, like, with Cody Garbrandt, he moved up so fast. Like, you know, they didn't, they didn't rank him very high in the beginning. Like, he was, he was out of the top 10, and then, you know, he beat uh, – uh, Thomas, yeah, he beat Thomas Almeida, and then he was ranked like fifth, and they moved him up way up, and they moved him way up. So, you know, I think it's just uh, you know, I, I still got I still got more asses to kick. Um, <laughs> so it, it'll it'll happen it'll happen eventually. I'm not you know the rankings were never something that I like. Uh, I like obsessed over you know I just uh, I just I just want to fight the best guys. Now, when you fought at KOP 55, you TKO'd Zach Church in one of the bloodiest MMA fights. Then you called out uh, Dana White and Sean Shelby about getting you in the UFC. How long after that did it take for them to actually contact you and get you signed into the UFC? So, I mean, after that fight and before that fight, my manager was saying, like, dude, like, if anybody, if anybody gets hurt, if there's any kind of short notice fight, you know, if anything happens, like, dude, you're, you're in, like, you're going to be in the UFC. And uh, 
so I was, you know, I was taking fights back to back to back to back to back just because when I got that phone call, I wanted to be preparing for a fight and I wanted to be ready. So, I mean, I was fighting every single opportunity I could that year, knowing that, you know, my shot was coming really soon. Um, and then as soon as I fought Zach Church, uh, I, like, sprained my knee, and uh, I was on the couch for, like, four weeks, and that's when the phone call came. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was, like, uh, you know, a perfect storm. And, you know, maybe it was a good thing because, you know, my body was rested. And, but honestly, I hadn't been in the gym in like four to six weeks. I haven't, I hadn't worked out and I haven't done anything. I was just, just doing like, I was riding the bike and doing physical therapy. And that's literally like my training camp for that fight. Like, uh, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't sparred. I hadn't done anything. And then, you know, seven, literally seven days out, I get a phone call like, Hey dude, you're fighting the UFC. I'm like, Holy shit. Um, can we do it at featherweight? Cause I cannot make 135 right now. Um, they're like, yeah, let's do it. So that's uh you know that's how that that's how that all panned out uh dude what a crazy experience i mean that happened so fast like literally seven days i've never taken a, uh, a fight on that short of notice and then have it be like my ufc fight against a pretty tough dude in tearing wear i mean that was crazy yeah so now now i understand why you had one fight at featherweight to a bantamweight yep how has uh darren Cookshank played a role in your development throughout your career you know, in a lot of ways, you know, Darren's uh, kind of been my right-hand man in fighting. You know, I cornered him in all of his UFC fights, cornered me in all mine. Um, honestly, he's cornered me, I think, in every single one of my professional fights and some of my amateur fights before that. Um, and then oh, I've, I've almost cornered him in all his fights. So I think we just know each other as athletes and kind of know what, what, what we need. You know, we're kind of like, uh, you know, brothers in the fight game. Uh, I've just we've been, we've been training together uh, for damn near ten years. Uh, I met him. I met him when I just started the sport. Uh, he was he was a little bit f further ahead of me, and uh, you know, seeing him get in the UFC and be successful kind of gave me the the notion that you know what we were doing was working, and that you know I was going to follow that same path, and and I did. And but outside of just uh, from like a uh, just a helpful standpoint like Darren is really really good at mimicking people like he's really athletic so he can watch tape on your opponent and he can like be that guy like he's really good at at uh imitating guys and for me that's huge you know I think that gives me a lot of confidence going into a cage fight knowing that I've kind of already gotten this look before uh you know from an opponent so uh I think that uh, more than you know, any of the any of the other things uh, has helped me uh, tremendously in the cage. You know, because I'm I'm always prepared. You know, I'm I'm always prepared. I always, I always, uh, I always have. I've like I've had rounds with my opponent. I feel like every single time before I get in a fight, and uh, I think it shows. You know, I figure guys out really fast, and I think that's because I've had those looks in the training in the training room. That's going to be really beneficial when you start getting to guys within the top five. You notice a bit more footwork, a bit more movement. Really distinct, really distinct styles. Yeah. Now, your last three fights have been in Las Vegas. You missed fighting in front of your home crowd back in Michigan? No, absolutely not. I, I much prefer fighting in Vegas. Uh, it's it's, it's nerve-wracking fighting at home, uh, you know, because your whole family, uh, you know, all your friends, all the people, you know, pretty much everyone you know is is uh you know in the arena watching you fight you know that was i think more nerve-wracking for me than than fighting in the ufc honestly uh 
I, I didn't I haven't really been nervous in any of my UFC fights, but I was always terrible nervous fighting at KOP because uh, you know everyone I know was in the you know in the dressing room. You know I'd see them all when I was walking out, and there was just a you know there was a lot of pressure on me to perform because. You know, I had a I had a really good record, and I've been telling everyone I was going to be in the UFC, and I kind of had that like that monkey on my back. Uh, and it's like, man, don't mess up. Like, all this hard work is uh, going out the window. You know, if you drop one of these fights to guys that you're supposed to win, so they're supposed to beat. So, um, you know, I was more nervous for those fights than I ever was uh, fighting in Vegas in the UFC. There are nine guys from Michigan top team fighting within the next two to three weeks. Were you involved in anyone uh, in any particular fighters preparation? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, periodically, you know, I think I probably, uh, I probably trained with or helped every single one of those guys, uh, in, in preparing and, and, and they'll do the same for me. I mean, we're pretty close. You know, when, when guys have fights, uh, they kind of take top priority at the gym. Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, it's it's not like uh, if you're uh, one of the one of the one of the best fighters in the gym. You know, you take priority all the time, and everyone has to cater to you. You know, it's like, dude, whoever has fights, uh, you know, those guys get work. Everyone watches them. Everyone gets them pointers. Um, and I think that's why we've been so successful so fast. Is because you know, guys actually give a shit about each other, and uh, you know, we're really looking out for uh, our teammates. You know, guys. You know, when guys have fights, there's. 30, 40 guys in the gym, you know, just, just there to help, you know, to do whatever, uh, to do whatever it takes to make sure that guy's successful. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch these guys fight. Yeah. Like you said, that's pretty cool that you know that we got that many guys fighting. Um, appreciate you, uh, doing your research on that. Um, but yeah, we got, yeah, like I think five guys this weekend in Detroit. Uh, so that's really cool. That's an event that's like right down the road from the gym. And then, uh, yeah, the following weekend, too, we've got um, uh, two guys fighting. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I'm kind of missing the, you know, the local cards. Now that I'm, you know, I'm in Germany, I don't get to see, you know, the local talent as much. But uh, yeah. when I get back to the States, I'm definitely doing that. Heck, yeah. Now, your only career loss was to Larry DiGiulio by split decision. It seemed like an obvious win for you. Being on the wrong side of that split decision, were you at all nervous when your last two fights went to split decisions, thinking you could be on the wrong side of it again? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's definitely those nerves going through it, but I'm like, uh, I've already been screwed once. They're not going to do it, do it to me again. Honestly, that was really what was going through my head uh, when I fought um, Tom Dukenois. When I fought Dukenois, I was literally like, <laughs> split decision, are you kidding me? Like, I think it was pretty obvious to everybody that I won that fight. I mean, like, like I never, I didn't get any backlash from any people online. Like, oh, you didn't win that fight. I think it was really, really obvious. I mean, I was out, I was out striking him like in the second, third rounds. The first round was, I think we were like even, like 20, 20 to twenty on significant strikes, and then I had like three takedowns. And the next rounds were like thirty to five and twenty-seven to seven, like as far as significant strikes go. I mean, so I was like. I was landing four times as, as much as he was. I don't think anyone could argue that, that I, that I didn't win those, those rounds. Um, but that was kind of the same feeling I had when I fought Julio. Like there's no question in my mind. Like I beat the Julio. I wasn't nervous after the fight. And then when I lost that decision, I was like, Oh shit, I can't believe this. This just happened. Um, and I could have seen that happen with Brian Caraway. You know, I was fighting in his hometown. Um, it was a pretty close fight, you know, 
100% at the end of the fight, I knew that I won the second and third rounds. But, uh, I mean, I've seen worse, I've seen worse decisions uh, in Vegas. So, um, it's hard to say. And, you know, and, and, like, I was a favorite. And then I was a then, – and then, you know, right before the fight started, I was an underdog. You know, the betting – the betting odds changed and you know anytime you're an underdog in vegas you, you got to be kind of you got to be kind of nervous um you know cause i think the, the betting odds do play a factor in you know who wins so um yeah absolutely i was nervous as shit but you know i mean i won uh you know i whatever someone says online you know i got a lot of backlash from the you know the brian Careway fans like oh you didn't win that fight blah blah i'm like well you know i beat his ass the second round. I beat his ass for four and a half minutes in the third round. And then he came and, you know, threw a bunch of shit in the last 30 seconds. I'm like, but it was a little bit too late. I mean, I already won. Too you know, little too late. Yeah. I mean, if he just started doing that halfway into the round, then, you know, maybe you could argue that, but you know, 30 seconds left, he lands three shots. It's like, no, it's shit's over. The rematch between TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garvin. Who do you think is going to win that? Yeah. I really think Dillashaw is a hard guy to beat. Uh, the problem is, Garbrandt does got that that crazy hard right hand, that one hitter quitter. Uh, you know, he, he he can put guys out. Uh, so, I think TJ wins. You know, seven out of ten times, but I think that uh, you know Garbrandt can catch him just like he did that last fight uh, and put him away. So, I think as long as TJ stays away from that big right hand. Uh, you know, he's going to win. He's going to edge him out. He's just more active. Um, throws more combinations than than, uh, than Cody does. And stylistically, it's a really, really – it's kind of a weird because Garbrandt's uh, – Garbrandt likes to come forward and, um, you know, set his hands up. Uh, but, you know, TJ just moves laterally too much. It's just it, – he'd be a super hard guy to fight, you know, especially if you're trying to land hard, heavy shots on him. You know, because he's always, he's always moving side to side. It would be really hard to catch him. So, uh, you know, I think TJ wins that fight. But, you know, you never know with a guy that can hit like, like Garrett Brandt can. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've been over this several times with my brother. He's really good at breaking down fights. He thinks Cody's taking this. I think TJ's taking this, so we're split. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I say, you, you never know, too. I mean, you know, Cody, I mean, Cody looked good. That He looked good that first fight. I mean, that fight was close. You know, going into that, going in the, to the, uh, the kicks, you got to think both guys are making adjustments. Both camps are going to make adjustments. Because at this level, you know, you really got to gotta, you gotta figure out how to beat guys more than just, you know, being better. You need to be strategic. You need to be smart. Uh, and, you, and you need to have a game plan going into these fights. And I think that's something that a lot of guys that are missing out on. Um, they don't have they don't have game plans. They're not they're not preparing for a specific opponent. But at, at, at that level, obviously they are. But I mean, coming up, most guys don't do that. They just kind of, you know, get in shape and then fight. Uh, and it, it's just it's it's more of a it's a it's a tactical game, you know. At that level, both guys can knock each other out at any point. You just I mean you gotta you gotta have a game plan and go out there and execute it to the best of your ability. Yeah, I agree. I think it comes down to that first mistake. Yep. Now, I know you had your manager send out a few fighters' names. Now, if you could pick one guy for your next fight, who would it be? Ooh, one guy. Um, you're saying, like, stylistically, a guy that I think I match up really well with? Yeah. Or, 
just uh just any mm, uh you know honestly i think i think i'm gonna end up getting i think i'm gonna end up getting john dodson just because um i hate fighting southpaws and he's a southpaw so i'm gonna end up finding him uh but you know any like <clears throat> lineker uh i think i think like as far as stylistically who matches up the best you know the way he fights i fought so many guys like that that are kind of like bulldogs they come forward you know they throw hard um i definitely think i can take him down and i think i can move a lot and confuse him he won't be able to land those hard shots and i think he's you know he's ranked like fifth so i mean in my eyes he's the he's the he'd be the obvious choice um moving forward he I think he's the best, the best matchup for me. So that would be the fight I'd want. Um, but I, I doubt I get that fight. Hey, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds for you. Now, how can fans stay up to date with you on social media? Uh, everything, uh, my Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, it's all just Cody Stamen, C-O-D-Y-S-T-A-M-A-N-N. All right. Well, Cody, I appreciate you being on Early Stoppage today, and best of luck for your pursuit of, you know, getting to the title next year. But we'll see how that goes for you. Hell yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. All right, man. Best of luck. And I wish uh, all of MTT, the nine guys that are fighting within the next two to three weeks, uh, best wishes and good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, that'll wrap up today's episode of Early Stoppage with Cody the Spartan Stamen. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next time, peace. <laughs>